Hello and welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu Times. My name is Chris Zahar and today we have a very special guest, the founder of the Submit the Stigma organization, Aaron Hurley. I said that right, right? Yes. Alrighty, awesome. <laughs> Let it be known. Yes, Hurley, Hurley, because before I was pronouncing it Hurl, like Hurl a stone or something like that. Or a lot of times with names like that, the E is like silent. Right. So, yeah, Hurley. I Hurley. know that. Okay, so um, the first thing I want to uh, talk to you about is uh, your um, Submit the Stigma organization. Um, for our readers who have never heard of that, uh, can you tell us all a little bit about it? Yeah, so it's a nonprofit that my sister and I created. Um, we both deal with depression and anxiety, and my sister doesn't train, but ever since I started training, I found that Jiu-Jitsu really helps me with my depression, my anxiety, my ADHD, all of that. Um, a lot of people have called it, you know, mat therapy or, you know, it's just a way to gain friendships, right, and support because you see people regularly. People keep you in check, you know. Um, the, the way that you are working out, you know, they say is really, really great for mental health. Um, and then you have the, the whole, like, goal-oriented idea of jiu-jitsu, right? You're getting ranked. You're constantly having something to look forward to. If you compete, you know, you're facing your fears there. That was for me as well. I face a lot of my fears. Um, so the nonprofit started as a just regular campaign. Um, my dad passed away by suicide July 2015, so two years ago. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I, I kind of didn't want to I wanted to release it to people, right, let people know, but I, I was going to be really bold about it because a lot of people will say, oh, my dad died, you know, um, of a heart attack, or they lie about it, or they just say, like, oh, no, he just passed, and they don't want to disclose it, and I want to do the opposite. I'm a very open book, and so for me, I thought people could not just learn, but also people could relate and realize, like, hey, this is a big issue. This happens every day all over the world. People choose their own expiration dates. And there's people in jiu-jitsu that are affected by it. There's a lot of people in this world that um, are affected by it in general. They know someone or they're affected by either mental health or suicide or, or both. Um, and so a lot of it is just, a, you know, not understanding it, getting rid of the myths and stuff. So uh, Nogi Pans was the first time that I held up the sign, and I just literally scribbled a piece of paper, um, hashtag submit the stigma of mental illness. And I held it up, and I was really upset that I didn't get to be in first. I was up on points. I got submitted, and I remember just crying my eyes out. And I was just like, just writing this sign. It was just like really therapeutic for me at the time. And I didn't even make the podium because they didn't call my name or I didn't hear it or something. And then so I did the open weight, and then I was able to, to um, get on the podium for that. But then Nogi Worlds, I won. I won the, the, the title. And, and so I felt like it added more claim to me, like, here I am able to accomplish things like brown belt, no gear world title, and yet I struggle. And it's, you're not alone, and other people are going to be in the same situation. And, you know, just, I don't know, it said a lot of things. So I held the sign, and I had other people hold up the sign. And that's when it started. And people were like, how do I get involved? I made patches, right? That was the biggest thing, that people could share it. So you'll see, like, a submit the stigma patch mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. all over the world. I just started selling them. And then my sister got involved, and we were able to make it, you know, a legal um, company, mm -hmm. nonprofit. And um, we were just pretty much sending our funds to the National Alliance on Mental Illness because I feel like the chapters all over the world, and I'm sorry, all over the country, yeah. um, the, every state, then you have the ability to learn about mental illness, and you have the ability to get help with peer-to-peer -peer groups or, you know, counseling, and this and that free of charge. And 
they really help out. And so I think that's something that my dad should have used or could have used because he did not go to hospitals. He did not go to doctors. That's what a lot of people think. They don't like getting professional help. But if it's just a website that you can go to, an email you can send out, I mean, it, it could make the world a difference. So that's a, a big institute that we were actually able to like um, pair up with. So a lot of our seminars that we do, we actually have someone come out and talk about it and talk about their, their resources because there's always someone available um, in that area. We've always done it like a big um, hub city. So, I mean, you always have someone that can help you. So now we're just working on an ambassador program. We have other people that want to get involved. We want people to be able to find someone to talk to at all times. Like I get a lot of emails. I can't answer all of them all the time, you know. But if there's someone local, you know, like I want to do seminars, I want to bring the community together, I want to make it known that you can talk about it, right? <laughs> Submitting the stigma, talking about it, making it normal because we care about our physical health. We care about how we feel in training, right? Even like the first few weeks, you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to smoke anymore. Yeah. Or I'm not going to eat trash food because it makes me feel bad during rolling. You know, there's things that we can do to affect our mental health and especially if you compete, losing, getting out there. I mean, there's a lot of things that we deal with. I mean, we, we deal with being under someone and not getting claustrophobic, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you're training with a big guy, right? So there's a lot of things you face, but there's there's um, ways to deal with it. So my me being so open about it, it's helped other people be open, and that's the whole thing. Just, you know, share my story, share your story, and realize that we're all connected and we have a community that can, we can help each other because that's – the beauty of the jiu-jitsu community you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah well don't know that's absolutely amazing um it does it uh, also hold like uh seminars to, to mm -hmm. yeah so i'll have someone come like i i did my own two seminars i did the first one after the pans 2016 and uh it was clark gracie Coyoteha, christina barlon gianni grippo and abraham marte mm -hmm. it was on jiu-jitsu they recorded it you know flow grappling covered it jiu-jitsu mag it was, it was a big event we had about over 100 people and that was midday on a Monday. Wow. You know, that was big. Yeah, so yeah. Um, after that, I did a New York one after Nogi Pans 2016, and that was pretty big, too. We had Polo Meow, Vita Shalin, um, Gianni once again, um, Dominica. No, we didn't have Dominica. I don't remember. But <laughs> we had a lot of people. And so it was really, really, really awesome. And we were able to, to like, really gather um, a lot of money but for me it's not it's not so much about the money it's just about the awareness and you know the community that it that it creates so it brought together a lot of people um and then people will come to me and say hey i want to host a seminar i'm like okay let's do it it's really that easy you know um someone in denver someone in memphis um we just host it i get out there and it's awesome you know i even did one in the uk after after um europeans <laughs> um yeah i mean it's for everyone you know what i mean and i think like it really affects everybody you know like one in five people are going to experience mental illness in any given year and that's just adults it's just not youth yeah. or teenagers you know so that that's a whole nother ball game right I mean it's, yeah. it's one of the, the biggest known causes of death you know in adults and and teens yeah. right so Absolutely. I mean if we can prevent people from being killed right by themselves Absolutely. you know Absolutely. like let's do it yes <laughs> it's yes. that hard yeah. right oh, let's get oh. them on the mats let's, uh, or people who are already on the mats you know let's create like a nurturing environment and being more open to it right mm -hmm. you don't have to hide it okay yeah. All right. So, let's say you're out with a 
rolling partner one time, you're out having some drinks, and he mentions at some point that uh, he's thought about killing himself. What should you do in those points? What would you recommend that people do? Because that, that's, a, that's a really hard situation for a lot of us, you know. Maybe it was, some of us are kind of like, uh, you know, maybe he's not serious about it. Let's try to ignore it, you know. Mm -hmm. Some of us might come out a little strong about it. Right. What's the best way to uh, handle situations like that? Well, I did take a mental health first aid course uh, back when I was still living on the East Coast. I mm -hmm. took it in New York. Um, that was about, like, four or five months after my dad passed. Um, so they tell you that you have to be direct. So you have to ask someone, are you thinking of killing yourself? Are you thinking of suicide? Mm -hmm. I mean, people are so afraid of that word. I remember someone raised their hand, and, and we were talking about it, you know, discussing it, and some guy goes, yeah, it's not like it's a new drug. Like, hey, man, have you heard that cool thing called suicide? Yeah. Like, you're not going to give the person the idea, right? Even if they're not, they haven't expressed ideas that they want, they want to in their life. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of depressive, you know, um, behaviors and ideas and stuff that they voice those to. Like, it, it could easily lead to that route. So you have to ask. The second question um, would be, do you have a plan? Um, you know, have you thought about how you would want to do so? And the third question would be, do you have the means to carry out the plan? You know, have you, you know, gathered the tools? Have you planned the route? Have you planned a day? Things like that. I mean, it's, it's, it can be so uncomfortable, um, but we have to be bold, you know? You can't waver. You can't say, but think about your kids. Think about your wife. Think about this. Because, I mean, that could be a reason that they want to. I mean, you don't, you don't know what someone's going through. You never do. So, um... You, you never say think about someone else because it's not about anyone else, right? I mean, a lot of people will say that, that suicide is, uh, like, for cowards or it's selfish, and it's like, no, you live with you. You have your mind. You are living with your own thoughts, and if, if your thoughts are telling you that you're better off gone, you know, who's to argue, right? It's just you battling you. So um, the biggest thing would say be that if you ever see someone that maybe their behavior's down or anything, you could say, hey, I've noticed that you're acting a little bit different, or hey, I'm concerned about you. Are you okay? I mean, that, that, that's the easiest thing to say to someone. You know, a lot of people might shrug it off or whatever, but that's the start of it. That's the start, you know, and if you really want to pry open, then do it. Um, if you feel comfortable with that person, right, if they're close with you. Um, otherwise, you know, if they do open up to you, Offer to get them an appointment to professional help. I will always promote professional help. Always. Absolutely. Um, like, you can't do it on your own. Like, I myself go to a psychiatrist. Um, I'm on medication. I, you know, that's the route. Not everyone needs medication. Not at all. But talk therapy, something. You know, even you can, you can actually go to your primary care doctor, and uh, they can prescribe antidepressants from there even. You know, you talk about depression, things like that. You just have to be... Um, open about it, right? Yeah. So just kind of like offering yourself to that person mm -hmm. is the biggest, biggest thing, you know? Um, obviously don't sit there and go, hey, well, when I was dealing with depression, like they don't want to hear it at that moment at that time, right? It's not about you, it's about them. And, you know, whatever you can do for them is going to help. Um, if they don't have insurance, there's, uh, I think, talk space, there's online um, counselors that can help. Um, you know, anyway, you reach out, but professional help is definitely the, the way to go if they really, if they really need it, but just making an appointment for them, searching maybe within their network for their insurance, like, those are hard things to do, you know? Yeah. You hear one no on the phone, or, you know, like, you, you want to make an appointment, and, 
and they say, oh, you know, we don't have one for a month. You know, those things can be like, well, I tried. That's it. That's it. You know, so just when you're not in the right right headspace to be able to do those things, it really helps when someone else can take over. Like my mom, the way that she shows me that she cares all the time is she just kind of takes over those things for me. Like she'll book an appointment for me or she'll you know, like, go to the bank for me or just do those little things that she knows, like, can help alleviate my stress. Um, everyone's different, right? But I just know that having those things done for you sometimes, just that little bit of help can make, like, a world of difference. But offering yourself to that person is, is key. And that's it. Saying, hey, I'm worried about you. I'm concerned about you. Opening up the conversation. Um, being genuine. It's that simple. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you made a really an excellent point about just how hard it is for somebody to just find the help, you know, because you don't know, because you, mm-hmm. you just, you don't know where to start. You yep. know, do I just call, yep. you know, you can't just call up some random psychologist and be like, hey, yep. I'm thinking of killing myself. What can I do? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that person will try to find you help, but, you know, there's only so much they can do. Right. So. Well, in that way, they'd probably direct you to the suicide hotline, which mm-hmm. people go, oh, oh, my God, that's so serious. Oh, that's not me. But those people are available. I know people that have worked for them. My cousin volunteered um, for that. My, we have, like, an ambassador who's a really close friend of mine because of the Sigma, Valerie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in Canada, and she actually was volunteer of the year. She worked. Like, like, so, so many, many hours, hours it is through that hotline, and, and you, you know, know, I mean, people will listen. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need. You know, mm-hmm. you don't need someone to say, what can I do? Can I do this? Can I do that? And that's the problem that I make with my own friends, you know? And I'm like, well, how can I solve the problem for you? Sometimes they're not asking for that. Sometimes they just want someone to to listen. So, obviously, everyone's going to be different, but if if they ask you to help, like, it's not that hard. You know, obviously, if you have other things on your plate, whatever. There's a million things you could say, but... But, but mostly, I mean, it's really not that hard to just help someone out. Like, I don't know, watch their kid if they go to an appointment. Who knows? I don't, like, you know, it's just when it's so literal like that, like, it's life or death sometimes. Yeah, so, no, quite literally you now. Know, we gotta take it, we gotta take it seriously, but also it's super common, so depressive episodes can happen and they're gonna come and go. And, you know, don't freak out. There's help. I mean, I always started with Google. <laughs> I Google everything, right? Yeah. So for me, yeah, you reach out to a network online, you hopefully, you know, you just have someone that could, could help. And that's my goal with Smith the Stigma, with the community, is having people around, you know. If it's something at jiu-jitsu, like, you just, you just get it, you know. I drove 40 miles to go to a doctor that I had done an internship with um, for, like, uh, to become an EMT. And because I broke my arm at a tournament. And I could have gone to the local person, but I knew that this brown belt from John McCarthy's gym was going to know exactly what happened when I say, I got caught in an arm bar. You know, it's just like when someone knows, you know, they know. And it's just yeah, the community community is like a whole other lifestyle, right? It's a coals, whatever. But we just get each other on a different level. You just feel like you know someone just because they train. Um, so that comfort level should be used for something effective like this, mental health, you know, that's what I think. Yeah, no, and absolutely. I mean, if you can roll around with somebody on a mat, then you're usually pretty comfortable with them in other areas. Yeah, like that. yeah. If your sweat goes in my eye, I mean, we're sharing the same tears. Yeah. You know, literally. Yeah. <laughs> That's another bonding level that I can't explain unless you've gone through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. No, absolutely, absolutely. And um, for our uh, fans or for our readers who do want to get involved with submits the stigma, who do want to do more to help. You know, people suffering with uh, mental illnesses or whatever. Um, what can they do? 
Like, uh, on our website, um, submitthestigma.org, mm -hmm. we have a Facebook page. We just made a Twitter page. Um, so all those, follow those. We post on there um, resources, just motivational stuff. And also on the website, you can order a patch. They're 10 bucks. I ship to anywhere. I just ship it as a letter. It's really easy. People have asked, like, oh, I didn't want to order because I'm in Brazil or I'm in Austria. And, you know, I didn't know about the shipping. Don't worry about it. It's, it's all covered in there. Um, we're working on having more merchandise. I also have shirts available that are through lazyloverjujitsu.com. Okay. Um, they have created those. I also have some leftover hoodies through digitsuonline.com. Um, and I can give you those links after. Um, we're we're going to get better at consolidating. But these people have helped me out and sponsored their, those products. I've been able to really kind of get them out there so I didn't have to. Um, because, you know, literally it's like me, me and my sister. So we're working on it. That's why I want to bring more people on to the team. Now I just had Valerie, who's now doing the, the Facebook page and the social media for me. And that's been, you know, a huge help. So, yeah, I'm really, really bad at saying, here, take the lead on this. Because I'm like, I'm going to do it. I just don't do it. Because I'm too busy being an athlete or writing articles or, you know, cutting weight and being miserable and sulking. So that's that's my thing with it. But yeah, so definitely follow everything on social media. You can email submitthestigma at gmail.com or even my personal email, Aaron Hurley at gmail. So either way, find me on Instagram, anything. You know, I just, I get messages all the time. So yeah, I just hear the stories or I share, I answer questions or whatever, you know. I'm human. <laughs> I try to be for people. Yeah, and we'll put all those links at the uh, bottom cool. of this uh, YouTube because this is this awesome. will go up on YouTube. You will be YouTube awesome. famous. <laughs> Not yeah, too YouTube. famous. Not very famous, <laughs> but kind of. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So um, let's uh, kind of shift gears and talk about this. Um, uh, this, uh, what is it, a DVD or just a video? Season? It's an app instructional. App instructional, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, spider Trap, right? Yeah. Spider Trap. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious. I haven't heard about a Spider Trap yet. So we figured that Spider Trap, I mean, we, we first wanted to make the DVD for, I call it a DVD, but it's an instructional. It's not actually a physical DVD, but what else do you call it? Um, so we... <laughs> We had this idea that my knee slice, because I teach my knee slice at the seminars, um, and that's my Angry Bird knee slice, but, you know, copyright, everything else. Um, we decided to call it the Flamingo Dive knee slice. So cool. that's the first about 10 moves. And then the Spider Trap came in because I also play Spider Guard. I actually started training with Hamala Bahal. I feel like my first guard, you know, I, obviously I had the Gracie Baja curriculum that mm -hmm. helped me through. With, okay, we got closed guard. we got armor of our mouth. We have the cross choke, you know, the, the basics, the foundation. But... But as soon as I got, like, I think it was the third stripe, I was able to get into Hummelo's class. You know, mm -hmm. that was the more advanced, like, his curriculum, his students, and it was Spider Guard. A lot of it was Spider Guard. And here I am training with huge guys. Um, Orlando Sanchez was my training partner. He was a, a – I mean, he got his blue belt, um, so he was a blue belt, and I was a white belt. And, yeah, I played Spider Guard on that guy um, because that's, that's how I kept the distance. So that was, mm -hmm. for me, a huge – a huge thing that was helping me and obviously it influenced my game a lot <laughs> and then um, you know I went to Cobrinias and then um, that's when I got my passing and obviously he plays a lot of spider guard um, to sit up guard and you know daily Hiva and all that um, so that really helped but also the knee slices where I got you know so that was like I never passed I never felt comfortable passing I was like oh, forced to half 
you know, man, <laughs> just hope and pray that I that I get there so I can get my leg out or something or get that advantage. So that the knee slice was my first thing. It was like I don't know, just dive and hug people. Okay. <laughs> um, and then after I went to Marcelo Garcia, that's where I got my my brown belt. Um, I was there for two years, <laughs> and that's where I got the X guard. So I know Hamalo has the entrance a lot that I, I've used in the instructional where you bring the person, you know, you post your foot, you know, one foot and then with the other foot on the bicep, you know, shoot them forward or, or scoot under them. Mm -hmm. That's how I would, I was able to get X guard. Okay. Um, even Yanni Larson, she actually has retired. She won a world title at black belt. She just like breezed through the belts. She's um, Swedish, but she was training in Copenhagen. She just had a baby. She got married. She just like was like, well, more life things. Let's hurry up. But she played the X guard where instead of putting it over your shoulder, she wrapped her arm like a like kind of like an ankle lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's how I play it. And so a lot of the spider trap is going from spider guard to that X guard. But I also have the overhead sweeps. That's always my first go to. <laughs> um, I always try to bring the person over and see how. Uh, maybe like dumb they are about spider guard <laughs> and I mean, obviously brown belt level is a lot harder I'm still gonna try with different attacks yeah. it used to be a blue belt I could just go <laughs> and get them over and they'd just be like I guess I'm going I'm flying yeah, yeah um, just do it and it worked a lot better but brown belt is a little harder they sit back um, and so when someone doesn't go over you know you can grab the ankles right mm -hmm. double ankle sweep from there if they post uh, if they don't post you can spin to their back and go for the arm mm -hmm. I have different submissions based on their reactions um, and then, of course, X-Guard, I have, like, sweeps that go overhead. I'm really lazy uh, with my X-Guard. I don't actually like to come up for single legs because I feel like it could produce scrambles and whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, my X-Guard is more like if, you know, they try to step back out of it, I'm going to roll back and go with them, things like that. So that's the whole spider trap. Um, the knee slice is my favorite thing in the entire world. I think it's, like... If I'm not getting enough cuddles in my life, like it's okay because I just hug people. I get the underhook, and I grab the tricep, and I just I make the person literally hug me, and then I pass through with my knee. And I call it the flamingo dive and also angry bird because I, I actually put my knee to my chest like mm -hmm. as much as I can while I'm entering. And from there, I'm able to get my knee as far through as I can. Oh, wow. And then it's like... You know, as long as my knee is touching to the mat, there's a really big chance I'm going to get through. I'm going to pass. Um, and so I work with my my head goes next to their head, you know, onto the mat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My arm dives with the underhook, and my knee gets to the mat all at the same time. And it's like, <laughs> So <laughs> that's, like, where the name came from. And I talk about, like, um, you know, I have techniques for what I call thumb and pants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or like if someone has an underhook and you want to clamp it down and, um, you know, various things. So, I mean, I have arm bars from there, um, you know, different ways to deal with it, going, jumping over if they get their knee in because we know that all happens. So it's literally things that I've used. I have, like, highlights on my, my Instagram, like, videos I put together of different screenshots just from, I think, just from, like, the past year of mm -hmm. competing that I've been able to put together all these knee slices that I've done. Um and they're all different, depends on how someone reacts and, I guess, like, how sloppy I am that day when I compete. Um, but it's honestly the best thing that for me, and for a lot of people. You know, you don't have to be super flexible. And I've taught the move at uh, different countries, different seminars all over the country. I taught it in um, France. Mm -hmm. I taught it in um, Spain, in 
whales. Um, yeah. So, I've, nice. oh, I taught it in Costa Rica. Yeah. So I've taught the whole series, you know, different levels of it and whatnot um, all over. And people like it. They get it. And, I mean, who doesn't like aggressive hugs? Well, you wouldn't be in jiu-jitsu <laughs> if you didn't like exactly. aggressive hugs. Exactly. This is all about it's, it's like aggressive yeah. hugging pajama wrestling. That's yeah, you take do. that love. Like, you, you want love? You just you just take it and you grab it and you make them love you. Yeah, feel metaphorically, literally, yeah. just you, yeah. you crush their soul as you pass their guard. Crush you know? their soul with love. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm going to pass your guard, like but I'm going to most... slice through like butter. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my game, basically. You know, I play Spider Guard, and people know that. So when they compete against me, um, they know it's coming. They they usually prevent it or try to. And then with the knee slice as well, a lot of my sweeps will actually go straight into a knee slice. And it's just like, like give me the hug. Give it to me. <laughs> um, and that's really... Not with, obviously not not all I do. I came from three different people that I've been promoted under. They all play different games, and I've I've learned from all of them. So this is kind of just a way that I've been able to put it all together, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like a hybrid of all three. That's one of the great things about uh, training under multiple instructors because, you know, no matter how good your instructor is, he or she, you know, they just, they have what they're good at. And it's not Mm -hmm. going to be, it's usually not what, like, another black belt is good at, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, uh, my first, one of my first instructors, he was a Gracie Baja black belt, really talented, kind of a shorter, you know, wider guy. Definitely did not have much of a triangle game. Uh, in fact, he he would tell you that straight up. He's like, "Listen, I got these short little hobbit legs. <laughs> you are not going to become a triangle master under me." You know? So you know, but you know, then you train under a black belt instructor who's like, you know, he's built like a basketball player, and this dude can triangle you if you're just standing straight up or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, no. No, it's, right. it's one of the great things about training under so many different instructors mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, um, I'm grateful for it. I mean, um, some of it was by choice. Some of it was just, I don't know, like different life events. Life takes you in different directions, right? Yeah. So that's just kind of how I ended up. But I have trained under three legends. So, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I go and I train at other places too. Like, I've trained under... Um, I've gone and visited, you know, uh, Murillo's. I've trained at Atos. You know, I've taken a class under Angelica Galval. Like, I'm big on learning from a lot of people. I go up and I train at Kayo's, or I learn from him, and 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 I train with Christina Barlon and all these people um, that are have all different games. Like, um, Christina Barlon and Nicole Evangelista. Nicole just got her purple belt, but she's been training longer than I have because she's 17. So she. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she uh, is really, really talented. Um, she submitted everyone. I think it was like seven fights at Pans and the, the weight and open weight. I blew out. It was like her adult, her, her adult year, her premiere um, at adult level, and she's amazing. And so sometimes we warm up together. Like, yeah, we're different teams or different. Who cares? You know, she's just a friend of mine, and, and she'll teach me stuff when we're warming up. And then I fully listen to her because she has amazing stuff, um, and it has... I don't care what belt you are. I don't care what team you're on or what division you're in, or even if you're in my division. Like, I'll train with you. Yeah. Um, Heather Raftery, like, we competed against each other. At, uh, you know, she's at Autos, and I trained with her in the class. We don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was chatting it up with her at San Diego Open, 
you know um it, it is what it is and, and for women's jiu-jitsu it's a lot different we have to bond right we have to we have to bring women's jiu-jitsu up together yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, because it is you know the minority and we want to be treated equal and we can't be fighting each other we can't be hating each other um if we intend to go far right mm -hmm. so um yeah we're gonna fight like hell i'm gonna try to choke the shit out of you but i'm gonna hug you after and maybe i'll buy you a hot dog i don't know <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter as long as you're not a bitch to me and i'm not gonna be a bitch to you uh we're gonna have a good relationship you know we're gonna fight each other multiple times and that's just an understanding do you think that can help uh, the jiu-jitsu at all? I mean, like, think about, like, guys like Gary Tunnan, who have, like, be, gained such a level of fame just by hating on the guys that they that he mm -hmm. fights. And, and, you know, then in MMA, think about Ron, what Ronda Rousey did. You know, a lot yeah. of a lot of the, um, I mean, Ronda Rousey really helped bring women's MMA to the fore right. by, pardon my French, being a total bitch to her, yeah. to her opponents. Yeah. I don't know, do you think maybe uh, women's BJJ might benefit from a little of that? Like maybe we need like a, like a like a like a heel in it or something like that. Yeah, I mean we're. I think that just having all different personalities is going to help. Okay. I mean, yeah. Gary Tunin, the Danaher Despot, Gordon Ryan, they're all funny guys. Like I think that they're great people. Um, they are great at jujitsu. Yeah. And they're hilarious. You know, I've been around them when they fight on the same cards as people that I know, and I've been there when they're warming up. But, they're just, they just bash on each other. That's just their personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they are constantly hating on each other, and it's it's hilarious to be a bystander. So I go to, um, um, like, I go to, to train with um, Gianni out the first time that I ever, I ever actually went there to, to hang out with him, Gianni Grippo, who I dated for almost four years. Um, that's when I moved to New York for. And, uh... Gary Tunin used to come train with him, you know, and they had this weird rivalry where Gary would really try to just kill him. And he never, and Johnny could never figure out whether he liked him or not. Like, he's like, I don't know, I think he likes training with me, I don't know if he just hates me or he just really wants to beat me or what. So they had this, like, weird rivalry stuff. And then, like, something came, I don't know if it was the beginning of Gary, Gary's, like, shit-talking age or something, but then all of a sudden it came out that, you know, he wanted to beat him in an alley or something, he wanted to beat Johnny in an alley or something. I don't know. It was really weird because we're like, well, that doesn't make sense because he's really nice to us. He's really nice to Johnny, you know. Um, that's just part of it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That's just that's how people want to be with their personalities. I mean, if you think about Leandro, like he's a party boy. He's this. He's that. He's so good, you know. Adolfo's like the gentle giant. Rishesh is like, I mean, if you meet him, he's like cool. Is I mean, he's super cool. Just super chill. Like just hanging out, you know. And then you have Kalasans, who is super quiet. You know, I guess like. It's kind, kind of like how his jiu-jitsu is. It's very subtle. It's very, like, you know, this, this, this. Um, Braulio, Hamelo, they're hilarious, yeah, right? Yeah, they're yeah. huge personalities. Cabrinha, very formal. Marcelo's pretty formal as well. He gets to know him. He has his jokes. But um, it's, yeah, they're all different types of personalities, and that's going to help. That just helps, right? Because we can't have everybody being the same. If we were, then no one would ever watch jiu-jitsu. However, if you think about Gary, like, he's not out there for the IBJJF titles. He goes to the events that pay. Yeah. He goes to the shows. They are shows. They are there to entertain, right? Yeah. So he is an entertainer. Yeah. That's what he does. Um, same with Gordon Ryan. Um, Eddie Cummings, not so much. Like He's not really like a huge personality. He doesn't no, like to be in the spotlight much. More of like the nerdy guy in the background. 
but his performances speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, he's not going to the IBJJF, the Abu Dhabi, anything like that. Like, you know, you see Gary Gordon, they're going to ADCC, but that's more of their style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's points, but they only count for half of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, they can have their submission-only style that, that really focuses on just beating the shit out of your opponent, regardless of what position you're in, right? Yeah, 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 so, you know, EDI, um... Polaris, uh, all the, I mean, they're, they're, they're meant for the personalities, you know, and so people who don't have huge personalities don't get invited to them, Yeah, you know, (laughs) that's the thing, you're not going to see that, so, I mean, the more that you present yourself as an individual who has a certain style, who can bring the excitement, bring the hype, all that, like, that's, that's the person that's going to get invited to a show. Jiu-Jitsu is not a spectator sport yet. No, it's not. You know, if it was, we wouldn't have to be paying for our own registration because mm-hmm. people would be paying to watch us more, not just friends and family and other people who do Jiu-Jitsu, right? So it's not there yet within term, you know, the competitions and whatnot. The competitions are for us. How do how we rank ourselves within our own our own sport? Um, that's how we gain our respect within our own, you know, authoritative figures and whatnot, right? still all private so that's that's what it is but for girls yeah i think we definitely could we do have some girls that are like that in fact this last ebi i was supposed to be on um but unfortunately i got injured so i wasn't able to do it the ebi 12 the female flyweights and they had a separate bracket for the combat and i watched that because i went there and i coached christina and i coached Liv gukowska and we were all there kind of like on the side of the stage able to like watch and I watched the whole thing from there and I thought it was hilarious watching the combat. They were slapping each other's asses. They were slapping each other's faces. I mean, it was it was amazing to watch. It really, really got me going. Cabrini was there to coach Salida and I turned around and I'm like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I don't even do MMA, but it just, it just looked fun because it just was like so raw, right? It's no longer like, Okay, well, this is what I practice. I'm going to grab the wrist, and then I'm going to do that, and I'm going to try to open your guard. Like, it was just full on, like, get the hell away from my leg. Don't touch my foot. What are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, those types of events are going to bring out the personalities, um, or they're not, you know, just different styles and whatnot, or the consistency. But the tournaments aren't the place for it. Yeah, like, no, absolutely. You can have a cool gi with stuff on it. And maybe you have a cool warm-up routine where people are going to point at you and laugh because you jump up and down. Or, you know, like, they see boobs popping out because girls wear just, like, sports bras, and that's exciting. I don't know. That's It's not, <laughs> you know, there's different reasons that people are going to watch girls. But hopefully, yeah, it's always going to be for the jiu-jitsu. If there's some, you know, smack-talking, fine. But it's always going to be about the jiu-jitsu, and it should always be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We have made a lot of progress in that sense. I mean, you know, look at an EBI. We're on board. We're, we're on UFC Fight Pass now. And that's just the same yeah. with Polaris. Polaris, we're on UFC Fight Pass. Um, actually, a little while ago, about, uh, I want to say last week, I was talking to Eddie Bravo. We interviewed him for this. And mm-hmm. uh, what he told me, and, 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 I, and I really just loved what he said, um, he thinks that one day jiu-jitsu will be as big as MMA. He really does. Um, however, he doesn't think a gi jiu-jitsu will ever get that big. Um, the way he described a gi jiu-jitsu was it's kind of like chess. Smart mm-hmm. people do it. It is an awesome activity, 
but it's just not a spectator sport. You know, right. you are never going to turn on the TV and see like live gi jiu jitsu on Fox. <laughs> you know, anything like that. Just in the same way with chess. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I um, mean, I I agree, kind of. Like obviously, tournaments. Like people don't people don't turn on judo tournaments and go, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, get the popcorns. Get the people over. Yeah. Let's watch some grip fighting. Yeah, you know, that's, but that's not the goal, right? The goal, I yeah. think, for most people with jiu-jitsu is um, Olympics, which mm -hmm. I don't really know much about. I don't have much to say on that. Um, I don't know how far we need to go or what we need to do or whatever, but I think it's really far from, from being in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, however, you know, Polaris still has gi matches. Mm, Fight to win has been point. doing really well also point. with the ability to have just, like, submission-only matches and whatnot. You know, the gi... I guess uh, is less more. I mean, I I mean I think that I could submit easier at the gi than I can in no gi, and other people would would differ, right? Um, but that's like I think submission only. The gi is great. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> it's technical, but it can also be pretty damn raw. Look at um, Mackenzie, so Mackenzie Dern yeah. versus Michelle Nicolini. They both fought in the yeah. world final and they fought in the ADCC final, and both of them were ratchet. <laughs> it was so ratchet. Look at Talita versus Tazari, you know, at the Worlds this past mm -hmm. year. I mean, yeah. that was so crazy. Of course, then you have, like, hey, they went out of bounds, and they did this, and you got to stop, and you got to retie their belts, and they've got to be this and that, you know. Um, it's all prim and proper, but imagine if it wasn't. Imagine if the rules were pretty open. Yeah. Right? It would be, it, it would be awesome. So I don't think it's the gi itself, right? It's not like, oh, people can't move you know, in a, in a cool manner that people are going to want to see. Mm -hmm. It's just that the rules that go with the gi tournaments and the gi events, you know, yeah, that's going to be it. That's, that's, that's the, the idea. So, yeah, it depends. I mean, there can be stalling in, the, in no gi as well. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Who, absolutely. In EBI, who, that, that, that's a strategy to, to not really engage much and wait for the overtime rules. Mm-hmm. No. You know? Yeah. That's that's completely a strategy, and it's not fun to watch. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is, right? People want to win, and they're gonna find any way to do so. Mm -hmm. um, you know. And then there's some people like I. I learned that uh, you know I I fought um, Catherine from Checkmat okay. uh, Kaka. She she I fought her uh, four times now. Haven't beat her yet. She always gets me on takedowns um, and points and whatnot. And then uh, we fought at Pans in the final this past year, uh, the gi pins, and uh, she almost passed my guard a bunch of times, so got advantages from that and whatnot, but there were points where I was playing my spider guard that I was almost super, you know, I was almost, you know, she's almost passing my guard, thing, crazy things like that, but we were all over the place, mm -hmm. and people didn't, didn't think of it as like, oh, Aaron lost, it was just, Aaron and Catherine had a great match, and that was really fun to watch, but that was important to me, I realized no one gave a shit whether I won or lost, they just cared that it was a cool fight to watch. Yeah. And that's when I realized that I would rather have crazy, awesome matches that really show my jiu-jitsu, and maybe I don't win the gold, than win the gold and win everything by just, like, sitting there in my clothes guard and playing my advantages or just sitting in my guard, like my, my spider guard, and just maybe getting one tiny, maybe sweep in eight minutes and then, mm -hmm. you know, winning yeah. off of that. Absolutely. Like, I just want to be aggressive. I want to be, um, you know, I just want to, like, give everything in every match. As Marcelo says, like you have to give everything in every match because you don't know if you're even going to get to the next match. Mm -hmm. You know? Absolutely. Why pace yourself? 
you're what for energy if you lose so you don't even get to fight the next fight like <laughs> you in some way or another you've got to give a lot just to make sure that you're even going to get to the next match but you mm -hmm. it's one match at a time always yeah yeah absolutely absolutely okay uh last question um do you think that competition jiu-jitsu is ruining jiu-jitsu for self-defense because some people have said that some people have said like oh you know um i, I want to say even hickson said that at one point or something to that uh, uh something like that he, nice. um basically like schools nowadays they focus too much on you know training people for jiu-jitsu competitions and not enough to uh, not enough on um, training people for to defend themselves in a street fight. Mm -hmm. What's your uh, take on that? It's hard because I recognize that they're two different things, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that kind of answers the question, right? Yeah. Um, we learned some self-defense within the curriculum when I was first training, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know how to get out of the headlock. Uh, if someone comes up behind you, you know, you complete the, the throw, um, how to prevent punches, the technical stand-up, things yeah. like that. So those are like the foundational moves, right? But, of course, I started jiu-jitsu because I wanted to compete. That, yeah. I saw the 2008 Pan Ams, and that was my first time seeing it, and I was like, I'm going to do this. And I thought everyone competed um, who trained. I thought that was the goal. I didn't see it as self-defense. I was just like, well, um, I'm not afraid to punch someone. <laughs> um, I I was always like kind of bullied by the guys and I would go around with them and moon my ass out the window because I was always such a classy person uh, I would wrestle Very guys classy. I would you know that's just me right we they would be like <laughs> they'd be like redneck and then if your neck was showing they just slap you really hard like they didn't care if you were a girl <laughs> Jeez, like I just roughhoused all the time with the guys um, and so and plus my dad always joked that I well they didn't have you know, boy, so I, I was just the designated one. So I was the one that was helping him chop down trees and, and you know, garden and break the horses and whatnot. Um, so I've always been kind of like a tomboy in that sense. So for me, I was like, I want to get on the competition mat. So after three months of training, there was a tournament, and I was just like, come on, can I do it, can I do it? And I competed, you know. So, and then from there, I just, you know, kept on competing. I just kept on going out there, It'd be like me and Edwin, I'd be like going all these local tournaments no, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was always sport jujitsu, and I learned obviously some self defense. But I, I was just like, well, if I need to, I'll punch a bitch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna rely on my jujitsu necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it teaches you to. Like, you are. <laughs> powerful person right you're a very powerful person especially mm -hmm. being a girl right being yeah. able to leverage my own weight to control someone that's huge that i can use for self-defense yeah you know Absolutely. like rape defense you know the uh, let me know <laughs> try it on me it's not gonna happen i mean this is this is the ground game right mm -hmm. i'm not likely to get into a bar fight <laughs> um, I'm more likely to have someone steal my purse, which I, by the way, I'm still waiting for someone to do so I can try out my jiu-jitsu on the street. Um, I am not likely to, you know, get into a fight. And jiu-jitsu kind of tells you, like, look, are you really going to try to start a fight? You know, it's better to walk away kind of thing. Yeah, things, no, right? absolutely. So absolutely. that's the, menta the mentality does not need to be separate. doesn't need to be like, hey, hey, if you do sport jiu-jitsu, you're automatically looking for a fight anywhere you go. Like, no, we're not those type of people. We just like the jiu-jitsu because it is like chess, you know, because mm -hmm. it is a, a, a game. Yeah. Um, there's no animosity. There's no real, like, personal aggression involved when we 
when we spar. Um, with that being said, I started assisting classes at Cobrinas, mm-hmm. and two times out of the week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, they're teaching self-defense. And for me, it's very different because I certain guards or certain passes, you know, it's like you want to get really close, but self-defense is about distance mm-hmm. and acknowledging that there are punches. So obviously MMA training is more effective because, you know, people are literally going to throw at you anything and then you're prepared for it. In jiu-jitsu, I'm not thinking about someone punching my face when I'm no. going for something. You know, there's no. a lot of movements that I do, specifically being a guard player and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, that are not going to work in real life. But I'm not going to try. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to try those things because I recognize that that is for sport jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, I, I rolled with um, Nikki Ryan. And I was told, this is before, right before, like, EBI, before I got injured. And um, he said, I can tell you're just so IBJJF. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He goes, I can just tell that when you sweep me or you get on top, like, you really, you really think that you're in, like, a dominant position or you really, like, you're proud of yourself. Because you swept me. Because obviously that's really, you know, highly rewarded in jiu yeah. for, like, IBJJF and for tournaments. <laughs> okay? Um, in a street fight, in EBI and other things, like super fights and submission only, like, who cares? You know? Like, sometimes it's like getting swept isn't always a bad thing. You can go for the feet or you can go for this or whatever. Like, you have positions that you can work from there. So it's interesting um, thinking about that because... I, you have to understand there's a difference, and that's it. You know, like I train for sport jiu-jitsu. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't train to protect myself. And if I was, I probably would go into something like um, a, uh, you know, gun store. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> no spider guard for you. I'm just going to blow your fucking you head You know? <laughs> go get a fucking bow and arrow or something. There I you don't go. know. Um, I watched a lot of Game of Thrones lately. So I... You know, so I think that there's a difference. There definitely is. But um, if that's your goal, take self-defense courses. Yeah. No. If you want to compete, take take the regular the sport jiu-jitsu courses or whatever where you're just going to spar. So I don't know. I think that it's a dull argument for me. I don't like. I obviously I care about both sides. Yeah. Um, but it's not the end-all, be-all. I mean, jiu-jitsu offers so many things. You don't you don't need to even train to compete. You don't need to do anything. You can just be a well-rounded person who understands the the game, right? Yeah, Just being yeah. a love, having love of the game, or, or being like chess with the nerdy kids. Mm-hmm. Or you can use it and go into MMA and go smashable spaces in, but have a really good neon belly, or you know, yeah, a, yeah. a guillotine or something, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all. I mean, there are all options. So it depends on like what you want to do that, that helps, and you know, most schools are going to cater to that no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do think uh, schools should be a little bit honest, a little bit more honest with it. Maybe not honest, mm-hmm. but more upfront with it. You know, like, okay, this is this will benefit you in a competition setting, but if you try it in a street fight, be careful of this. Stuff right. Like, that. Yeah, I think. like, I'm not going to, like, try to straight angle lock someone on the street. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to wait till you say tap, and then you're going you're gonna to walk away because, you know, I beat you. Like, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, yeah, I could start tearing away, okay, get your arm, all right, okay, break that, cool, all right, I'll break your foot, no, like, I'd probably just put you to sleep and then punch you after and leave you there, but that's just me, (laughs) it's a lot easier to punch a a non-moving target, (laughs) (laughs) or you wake up and you have no idea what happened to you, I think that would be the coolest thing ever, but I'm not necessarily, I'm kind of a, 
a dirty fighter, I guess, in that way. But hell, you know, real life is real life. You do what you gotta do. And again, I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones. There you go. There's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of just killing people in bad ways because you don't like them. Um, you know, so I have to remind myself sometimes. No, Aaron, the world does not work like that. Yeah, you got to. You can't just behead someone for no reason. Yeah, one of my instructors always told, always told me that uh, if he gets into a street fight, he always wants to put people to sleep because there's no mark. You know, there's no bruise or anything like that. Yeah. No missing tooth. <laughs> yeah. You know. And exactly. Somebody, yeah. yeah. If I have to get to the back, take a double, get to the back. Exactly. You know? around the neck and it's yep. just like all right peace you know like, like i mean they would talk about self-defense it's like you know giving yourself enough time to to walk away or run away from the situation right um what better way <laughs> just leave you here <laughs> yeah no, no I, I i heard one story of course i can't i wasn't there and this is all hearsay but uh an instructor's instructor he got in a fight he put the guy in a rear naked choke and once the guy passed out, he put his um, jacket down and kind of used it as a pillow for the guy so he wouldn't get his, you know, <laughs> head turned yeah. or whatever, yeah. That's totally, yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely not me. I mean, it depends. If the person, if it was just the person that was drunk and they were just agitated, yeah. you know, then I would just be like, well, this is really not them. They're, they're not just yeah, rude. Yeah. Then, you know, it's okay. But if someone really, really hurt my feelings... Mm -hmm. Maybe it would end differently. <laughs> well, that, and, and, you know, that's kind of the good thing end. about um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, you know, you have the option to control somebody without seriously injuring them. Mm -hmm. You know, like let's say you got an uncle, he's a really cool guy, you love him to death, but when he drinks too much, he gets a little belligerent, and you don't want to hurt him, you don't want him to hurt himself, you just want to hold him down. Yeah. Well, you know, jiu-jitsu allows you to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, because before I did uh, jiu-jitsu, I was doing karate, and karate was like, okay, what you want to do is you want to gouge the guy's eyes out, then you want to punch him in the neck and break him, <laughs> paralyze him from the neck down. Jeez, <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I, I want to do that to somebody. Like, yeah, it's you not know, like you'd have you to live do something, like out in the woods, and it's like... Yeah. I mean, you yeah, want to talk about Game of Thrones style stuff. This, yeah. like my, my karate instructor, he was a, he was in the military and stuff, and I think oh he was God. a little suffering from a little, uh, you know, post traumatic. And yeah, his uh, the techniques he was teaching us were like literally like punch somebody in the spine to paralyze them. I'm in the wrong sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I need to be. There Actually, you go. Uh, when I was in Miami, we got our bag stolen. It had everything in there. We had bought a place, like a seat, you know, on the beach. We thought, well, of course it's going to be safe. Nope. Some dude, you know, we tracked my phone down. And we see the guy. And he's like this, like, bum kind of guy. And he's dirty. And he's old. He's gross, whatever. And so um, I realized, hey, I can use my jiu-jitsu here. We can hold him until the cops come. And he was, like, really gross that I didn't want to touch him. And I'm like, well, that doesn't help. So then he was like, I'm going to shank you. And so I kind of stepped back. And I realized he had nothing in his pockets. So instead of, like, holding him or touching him, I just, like, I had only my bathing suit and my, my, um, my poop-flops. That's all I had. And I'm running around the streets of Miami just chasing this dude and just Ouch. keeping him in my vision until he ran across the street in front of cars. And I said, well, no, I, I'm not going to follow him over that. And then all of a sudden Gianni's brother runs and just takes the dude down like a freaking double leg. The guy hits his head on the curb. They're bleeding everywhere. And we're like, well, we're sorry. You know, you took our stuff and you ran. <laughs> we wouldn't have to have done that if you didn't just take, you didn't take our stuff. And 
waited till the cops got there or whatever. But that was my chance to, to use it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to touch you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrestle you to that ground. I'm going to kick your ass. Just let me put on this full body surgical suit first. <laughs> yeah. Just put on my gloves. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, take I, a bath I think, first. Then I'll kick your ass. If like, I had pants on and a sweatshirt, it'd be way different. But I yeah. was practically naked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it wasn't life or death. It was just like, well, I want to make sure this guy, you know, pays for what he did. Mm-hmm, we got all yeah. our stuff back and then whatever. But I was just like, well, I'll just keep my eyes on you and just jog and <laughs> just follow you around. <laughs> it must have been the stupidest thing for people to see, I swear. Oh, my God. But I, I mean, I did what I had to do and I didn't want to touch the guy. So I, I spared myself. Yeah, I'm surprised that, that didn't make it to like Facebook or YouTube or something like that. You know, no, I mean, video. if I had touched him. Like, and actually, like, wrestled him to the ground, like, mounted him and stuff. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that would have been, like, all over but YouTube, that would have been like Facebook. Yeah, World Star. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, my boobs probably would have popped out or something. It would have been weirdly sexualized. Like, look at this oh, girl, like, totally. molesting this bum. You know? <laughs> That's yeah. not what I wanted to be known for. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I wasn't thinking definitely. about that at the time. But, you know, in retrospect, yeah, I'm really glad that I didn't. Molest the man in a bathing suit. Molest. <laughs> <laughs> that was good for a reputation. Yeah. Other things not so much, but that was a good call. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, um, we are kind of out of time right now. Um, any parting words to our readers uh, before we go? Um, just want to say, like, I'm really thankful that I've had followers. Uh, I know it's kind of like a weird thing to say, like. People in jiu-jitsu, yeah, they get like 200,000 people on Instagram following them. Mm-hmm. That's great. They can yeah. say, oh, my fans. And I'm never going to say that because it sounds weird because it's jiu-jitsu. Um, someone made a joke that we were talking about, like, all our followers that we've gotten and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I hit up, you know, past 10K. I got the K on my Instagram. And this guy was like, Aaron, you've probably met all of those people personally. Like, talked to all those people and told them to follow you because yeah. that's kind of like how I am. I'm really like – personal like that's why I love tournaments and things like that um and so when people message me like I really take it into account and some people would say like oh I'm so surprised that you messaged me back and I'm like why I'm just some weirdo who's like just sitting on my couch eating Halo Top like watching Game of Thrones like I'm like you know like maybe cool I've done stuff I've traveled around the world or I've competed or something but like I don't have a 401k um, like, I'm, <laughs> I don't have any responsibilities. Like, there's things that you should not be looking up to before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, I love my dream and, and things like that. So, you know, just having those people that reach out to me all the time, like, it's really it's really awesome to remind myself that it's okay that I'm not using my degree and I'm broke and all I do is jiu-jitsu. Um, <laughs> kind of keeps me, keeps me going. Um, and also my sponsors, um, Hyperfly, Jiu-Jitsu, Lazy Lover Jiu-Jitsu, um, Brick CrossFit. If I didn't have them, I don't know what I would do because I've been doing CrossFit every day since I haven't been training. Um, Cobrina Jiu-Jitsu, obviously. Before that, Marcelo's. Um, and I think that's all. Um, and, yeah, I'm just really happy to be doing what I do. And I, I can't wait to get my black belt and compete at the highest level, which is the scariest thing ever, but... You know, that's what I've been waiting eight years to do, so yeah, can't wait. Great. Oh, that's awesome. All right, well, listen, thank you for tonight. Uh, thank you for your time tonight, and uh, good luck with uh, whatever, uh, whatever you're looking to do in the future. Thank you. Thank you. All righty, bye-bye.